0: Hello, everyone. Another Wednesday, another awesome episode for Life After Tech Bootcamp. I'm really excited to talk to our first software engineering graduate, Ashley. She is currently in a very cool place right now. I will let her talk a bit more about that once I introduce her. But let me share a little bit about Ashley before we get into her story. She is a former graphic designer turned software engineer through Springboard's software engineering career track. She's currently using her background in design and coding, working as a solutions engineer for a marketing company called Adlucent. She hopes her story is able to help other people.
1: Hi, Ashley. Welcome. It's so great to reconnect. Hi, Alyssa. It's good to talk to you again. Glad to be back. Yeah. Would would you like to share
0: where you've been tuning in from? Yes, I'm currently in Paris
1: right now. I work fully remote, so I did like to take the opportunity to travel more uh, because I can just bring work with me.
0: Yeah, that's the best part about remote work, especially if you have a company that lets you take your laptop out of the country. I love Paris, so very jealous. I'll be there this summer which isn't soon enough.
1: Oh, okay, maybe we can meet up there. Certainly, are you gonna be there for the Olympics? Uh, No, I plan to be there in June um, because it's not very hot yet because they don't really have air conditioning in France or in any parts or most parts of Europe. So um, during the hottest time of summer, I'll I'll be back in America, but uh, it is a very pleasant place to work in June in France.
0: What um have you gotten into any cool cultural things there or what do you do when you're not working?
1: Uh, when I'm not working on weekends I do like to go visit the other countries as well too, because it's easier to get to than uh, other states in the United in the United States. You uh, like the fares for like for the flights might be one hundred to two hundred US dollars. So it's fun to see different places on the weekends
0: yeah that's the best part that is one of the best parts about europe is that just going to spain or germany is a hundred ish dollars so very jealous that's very very cool and very inspiring perhaps someone's thinking maybe i can be that one day
1: yeah i bet everybody could i think that there's different rules that every company has in regards to traveling outside the country and and working So I would just check with your HR first, but uh, mine does allow me to work for up to 30 days at a time outside of the U.S.
0: Oh, so cool. Yes, I agree. Check with HR. Um, I know I'm not allowed to do that, even though I'm fully remote. So a good way. Well, let me back up. That would be an interesting interview question is what kind of perks like that exist though that's a little awkward I don't know did you I'm actually curious when you were interviewing did they volunteer this information because I can't imagine you were just like what can I do remotely it's it's a tricky question to ask you don't want to come off as like how can I get away with traveling and working because you want to be serious about a job if that makes sense
1: yeah that's a that's a good question it was after I finished negotiating you know, like the terms and and the salary, I ask, oh, by the way, are we allowed to work outside the country? Because it obviously wasn't the priority to me at the time. I didn't think I would travel that much. Uh, But I just asked kind of like, oh, aside, by the way, like, are you able to go outside the country and work as well, too? And they, yeah, they said you can work um, internationally for up to 30 days at a time with your manager's approval. So, um, luckily my manager is very nice and they're very flexible and I work with a really fun team. So I would like to take advantage of that perk. Um, and yeah, once I found that out, then I was super excited. Well, let's
0: hear about where you were before you got to travel for up to 30 days or whatever the policy was. Let's. Let's talk about where you started. So um, I know you were a graphic designer. You were living in New York City. Tell me about what was going on.
1: Yeah, I was working as a graphic designer for about seven years before I moved over to software engineering. With graphic design, I eventually started to feel very limited in in the role. It's, in my experience, a dead-end position. And once I felt like I couldn't really move up, I decided to go back to school to learn to code. So I was living in New York City for a while, about four years, and then um, during the pandemic, there was a lot of changes. So I I did uh, move. I did leave New York City and I did move back to Michigan, where I'm from, to be able to pay for coding school because it's much cheaper to live in Michigan and that's where I learned how to code and I started working as a software engineer in 2021.
0: That's awesome so I'd love to hear where did coding come within your sphere? I don't know how much you're doing with like web development on that end but what made you interested in it?
1: It it wasn't like a a clear-cut time, it, it I just started noticing with um, every time I would change jobs as a graphic designer that they're looking for more and more code like, as supplementary knowledge and eventually it started to become more of a requirement and now I'm competing against other graphic designers or other people that are able to code. So it's kind of just this increasing pressure to be able to build applications along with being able to design them as well too so it wasn't um until 2020 that it finally gave me the final push to um you know leave my job and finally just go back to school to learn already because ultimately I just wanted more doors open and I saw once I saw the potential for how much you can grow with a new with this new skill set i was i was interested
0: it's so interesting you say that we i was talking to somebody else mike whose episode came out recently he was he said something so beautifully like when you give yourself new skills you give yourself new opportunities and i think you obviously know that i know that but i just loved how he put that together in such a succinct way and it's so true
1: yeah Sometimes we are put in situations where we're forced to, I, it was kind of like a crossroads for me. you know. At the time I um, did have an offer from a previous job, like a previous graphic design role, they offered for me to come back or I would have to just kind of sacrifice for a while to be able to go to coding school. So ultimately I decided to go to coding school And since then, I've found a job. I've freed myself from debt. I've done a lot of traveling and I've learned a lot of new things and I've met a lot of really great people. I've definitely, this is definitely the happiest I've been in a job ever. So it was definitely worth it in the long run. But I'd like to go back to kind of what you said. You had an
0: offer, you you basically had a crossroads. You could have learned something new or you could have taken an offer from, what you said, an old company. That must have been a really scary decision. Or am I wrong? Were you very, very sure of yourself?
1: Oh, no. I was for a while. I was actually wanting to go back to my previous role because it was in New York City. And I really loved being in New York City. It was, a, it was not an easy choice. I remember I, I went to my roommate, actually. She's also a graphic designer as well, too. And I asked her advice on it, like, should I go back to my previous job or should I go to coding school and do something else and then she she was really the one that encouraged me that I have a very unique opportunity to go and to change my circumstances, and uh, she was right
0: yeah i that's great that you had that support too, because sometimes you, I feel like I don't know you, but like I get so in my head of am I doing the right thing? And sometimes you don't know if it's the right thing until things might work out or they don't, but that's great that you had that support system.
1: Yeah. uh, I'm very lucky. I still keep in touch with her sometimes and she was uh, very happy for me once I did get my software engineering job and um, it's just been a much needed change
0: certainly I mean you're in Paris so let me hear about you're deciding to go to coding school how did springboard come into your orbit why did you think springboard was the right choice for you to get to where you are now
1: yes yeah, springboard was my I think it was my second school I went to I really went through four programs um I took a workshop first for um for UI UX, actually. I was thinking I would do that because that's kind of the logical next step to go to from graphic design. And uh, after taking a few classes for UI UX, I learned that it's good to have some coding as supplementary knowledge. So I took a coding class on the side alongside that. And I realized I liked coding more. So I decided to go in the coding direction and I found Springboard through an ad, actually, on Instagram. <laughs> I was looking around at different coding schools. I was um, interested in, there was like three or four at the time, but I liked Springboard because it looked like a newer school. And I did some research on the, the creator of, of um, the, the program and... I really liked the way that they set up their, their payment plans and the course timelines and the languages that we're learning as well. So ultimately, I, I I liked Springboard more, especially the way that you were able to test into the program as well too, because everybody has to take like a, a coding test to uh, enter the school. And I liked their process for that as well too.
0: I remember when I first saw your intake survey for the podcast seeing someone go from graphic design to software engineering I was yeah you're right like it is common for them to switch or will that profession to switch into UX so I was very curious to understand how you were parlaying your graphic design skills into software engineering
1: Yes, when I was working as a graphic designer, you're basically working with every type of media that whatever they ask you, pretty much. So um, I did paper packaging, like hang tags on clothes, and um, I did digital products as well too. So some people may need help designing their websites as well, and you're really limited if you cannot code it. You know, you're only just designing what it's supposed to look like. So that can be limiting as well too. So that's just kind of one of the things I knew that it's kind of, you're limited unless you can learn how to code. So even now in my current position, there's random images and things that need to be photoshopped or need to be changed a little bit or altered. Sometimes they might need like GIFs for certain things. So I'm able to use... Um, the Adobe Creative Suite for those, and I'm the only person on my team that knows how to do that. So that's what makes it um, that's what makes me a little different than normal software engineers because i I have um, Adobe Creative Suite knowledge as well too.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. And I think that's so great to share when someone might not really be interested in UX design. So thank you for sharing all of that and how you connected the dots in that way. So I'd love to also hear, I know you said you did a couple other boot camps. What other things did you do outside of the course that supplemented your knowledge for software engineering?
1: Well, Springboard was the main boot camp for for coding. So I learned the bulk of my coding there. Uh, That was like the really immersive, long program. Before that, I just took a a UI UX course, like just a few classes. And then after that, I joined a workshop with SheCodes where you're only learning like just the basic HTML, CSS and basic JavaScript. And then I went to the immersive program with Springboard. And then after that, I joined a program called Outco, which is kind of a job searching support program for software engineers it's specifically for software engineers so they help you with um, interviews and testing and data and algorithms so that way you're um, it's really to help any software engineer that's looking to like level up their their career like if they're looking for a promotion or if they're looking for a new position Uh, and that's where I finally that's ultimately the program that helps me find my job
0: that's fantastic, and I remember you saying that you're allowed to stay in that program outco until you get the results you want or a job that you want.
1: Correct. That was the big selling point for me, for for outco because usually these job, uh, like these career support programs, are kind of like on a certain timeline. Uh, but the thing that was really special about them is that they they want to make sure that you get what you want. Um, out of their services, out of their help. And um, it was it was totally worth it. I'm really glad that I found them. Which I, I actually found them through Springboard as well, too. You know, Springboard uh, was letting us know if there's further support we can find after boot camp. And I decided to go without CO.
0: Certainly. Yeah. And to your point, people don't learn at the same rates. So in... And- a timeline isn't always suitable for everybody. Some people need a little bit extra attention. Maybe they're overcoming something, maybe there's something going on in their personal lives. Things don't just happen at the exact time you want them to.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with um with boot camps. They are they because they are immersive, meaning that they're condensing a lot of information into like a shorter amount of time because it's a lot of it's meant for career changers. They want to have it just be done a little more quickly. So a lot of people don't really have the time or just life gets in the way. So um, luckily, I've um, not had the same blockers as other people or challenging circumstances. So um, luckily... With boot camps, there's other students as well, too. So you're able to have support from many places. And I think that's what's different about boot camps. There's a lot of software engineers that are like self taught developers, but I like having the support. So uh, that's why a boot camp was the best choice for me.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your job hunt. So I know you said you selected Outco mm-hmm. more so for the support, whereas Springboard gives us that. I'm not. I actually forget what it's called, but there's that period of time after you finish the course where you work with a career coach and do job hunting activities and things like that.
1: Yes, there is some form of that after Springboard as well too. It's just less strict, I suppose. Uh, the one without Co, they are very like hands on as far as what you're doing um, for looking for jobs and they're a lot more um, like there's more than one career coach that you're talking to as well too so there's a lot of support there as well Um, but my job search was I remember I was applying to a lot of jobs I think the minimum was 25 jobs per week uh, but I did much more than that (laughs) because I was just very focused I suppose so probably 50 to 100 per week and I did that for about six months I think. I did take like a month or two off because I did go to Europe for vacation (laughs) at one point because I was not expecting I would get a remote position. I thought I would just move back to New York probably um, and probably wouldn't have time to travel anymore if I start working Uh, because at the time remote work was considered like a luxury. Uh, It's very competitive to find them, but I suppose I just got lucky. Um, But yes, I did apply to about 50 to 100 jobs per week, and I had an interview maybe two times per week for about six months. It was a very long six months, so. That
0: is a lot. That is a lot. 50 to 100. That is incredible. First of all, I'm kind of happy to hear that there are that many jobs out there for people,
1: There was at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. But then also I know LinkedIn makes it easy with auto apply, but that's still like that much a week. That's still a lot of time. (laughs) So and then you said you were interviewing on top of that.
1: Yeah, my interviews were because I was applying mostly to front end roles. A lot of them were take home projects or like small exams. So I kind of had my days split up between kind of like working on maybe an interview, like a project. And then the other half is probably actually the real interview. So, and, you know, there's multiple rounds for every interview. So usually it takes like two weeks for a normal interview for a software engineer.
0: That's still, but if you're doing that multiple times, that's, a lot of work on your end in mental state, and then also just not knowing what's going to happen. So props to you for being that persistent. That's incredible. I'd love to know, you know, what do you think you did to make yourself successful in getting these interviews and you know, getting these take-home projects? I know, of course, you can't get every job out there, but clearly you were doing something right to get people attracted to your town.
1: I think the resume. I, I think you need to have a really nice looking resume, and I did get a lot of support uh, from that with um mm-hmm. with my career coaching. And I just I guess I do have a pretty interesting story to tell. I don't have a CS degree, so um, there's a lot of different ways to really sell yourself if you don't have like the usual background from. For, for software engineers. Uh, but that ended up being kind of to my advantage. I think one, maybe because I'm a female, there's not a lot of female software engineers. And two, because uh, it's not like a very big career change, actually. Um, there's a lot of graphic designers that also code as a supplementary knowledge it could be because they do kind of go hand in hand depending on the job role. So uh, it was a pretty easy thing to look for for the front-end developers. So luckily there was a lot available at the time. I don't know about right now, but about a year and a half ago, there was a lot of roles available for front-end.
0: Certainly. Yeah, I also have no idea how many front-end roles are out there now. Just within the LinkedIn sphere that I log into, I log into LinkedIn, maybe every three days, and I see just more and more people seeming, I don't want to say desperate, but just really frustrated about finding a job like more so than ever before, across multiple different disciplines. So, you know, I'd love to know if you know, someone reached out to you who's been on the job hunt six, eight months, being like, Ashley, like, what could I be doing wrong? Like, you know, what do you think you would tell them?
1: Uh, well, first thing I would do is I actually I did have that conversation earlier today uh, with because uh, I did go to a tech webinar today. Uh, and So I did check my company website. Okay, are we hiring anybody right now? And it's nothing really related. <laughs> so the first thing I do is check my company if they're hiring. Um, but I think for people who are long unemployed, I would say to continue learning. Because if, um, if you're getting interviews, um, I bet there's something more uh, that you could add to your resume while you're still looking. And because there might be something missing. You never know who you might impress by being able to add something else to your resume. And if you are just coming from a boot camp, there's still plenty of other resources out there aside from a boot camp. It might be helpful to learn a new language in in the time while you're job searching. So I would say to continue learning new skills that are not already on your resume. So that way, um you are still able to build your resume. And I would reach out to career support because it's made a lot of difference for me. I think that being open-minded about the whole process definitely really helps because I've met some people that are very like, like they they say that they've already heard all this advice before and they sound a little closed off. I think those are the people that end up in long-term unemployment. But I think anyone that's open to help is usually not going to be unemployed for very much longer
0: interesting yeah i i also agree i i don't know if this sounds harsh but i can typically tell when someone does an informational interview with me or if i'm talking to them i can typically tell if they're the types that are going to do the work and then eventually land a role I don't know what it is, but there's just a different way that they approach the job hunt and approach life. And I think a lot of it is that constant learning and that constant um, just talking to people and learning what they did to see how it can apply to them. When I see that kind of personality, I do have more faith that that person will succeed versus somebody who almost feels entitled to a job. Like, they just did their boot camp, check the box, and think, why aren't the jobs coming to me?
1: Yeah, those are what we call soft skills. You know, the ability to just be, you know, easy to work with, um, easy to train as well, too. And that's not really something that you can teach somebody. Uh, so you can always learn, like, a new language. You can learn the new coding skills, but um, it, soft skills are not really something that can be Taught, so I think people with good, you know, personable skills are a little bit better off. Another thing to keep in mind for the tech industry, especially for software engineers, remember that it's kind of like a a circular, a circular span that we go through. It's for the first part; it's like it feels like the industry is very saturated, so there's a lot of people looking for like a small amount of jobs, and then later on in the year it'll be like reversed it'll be like there's a lot of jobs and then they desperately need more software engineers so there's an ebb and flow to the need all the time so i would just urge people that are looking to just continue trying because i promise we still need more help and we definitely do need different skill sets depending on the jobs because it's constantly changing It's kind of like musical chairs, you know, especially with um, it being common in the industry for software engineers to hop around, because that's usually how people get bigger salaries is from moving roles after every couple of years. So I think there's room for everybody.
0: Certainly. I think there is room for everybody, too. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yes, those are soft skills. And I... I do agree. I think we talked to somebody, I believe it was Alan, he was saying how soft skills really aren't something that can be taught. And it's true. I think it's very, very hard to look within yourself to understand that again, this might sound really harsh, not want to be that person, but looking within yourself and realizing like you could be the problem, like Q Taylor Swift, like is there something that you're maybe doing that could result in something that you don't actually want. So yes, I completely agree with that. Um, But going back to you, because clearly you are doing something right again, I'd love to hear the story about how you got your job. What was that process like? What happened?
1: Yeah, it's not a traditional story, you know? Usually the software engineering interviews are like five or six rounds. Uh, if you're talking to different team members, maybe you have to do like a test and everything. But Adlucent is not really a traditional tech company either; they're pretty progressive. So I guess it kind of is reflective on their interview process as well too. I had um, an interview with my supervisor. What was going to be my supervisor, and we just had um, like just a Google Meet where she's asking me the the usual questions. And then the next interview was with my CTO. So like my boss that I have now, he, I was, it was a Google meet, but he was on the phone, like driving to pick up his kids from school. (laughs) So he was just asking me questions as well too. And then I, uh, I, you know, didn't hear from them for a while. And then I remember... There was a, I think it was like a Friday afternoon. I'm actually not even at home. I was out at my friend's place on a Friday afternoon, and he calls me like on my phone. Um, and he asked me like, hey, we're about to have this Google meeting in a, a, at five o'clock, which was in like 10 minutes from that time. And I said, because, oh, you know, you don't want to like um insult them. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I'm not even home right now i'm like not anywhere near my computer <laughs> and he's like well that's that's totally fine but uh we're hoping to um by monday to have like a offer letter for you and everything and um get you get you started soon and i remember i was just like jumping around i was so excited because it was a long search that was really grueling and um i was, yeah it was it was a it was a great moment
0: Yeah, after 50 to 100 applications a week over the course of six months and finally getting that or sending you an offer letter, I, I feel secondhand relief for you. Like, that's amazing. And also just really funny how they kind of bombarded you. Like, what is with people calling randomly? I mean, call me randomly if you want to offer me a job, but still that's that's a lot of pressure but i'm glad he took it in stride
1: i know it was um it does make a really great story (laughs) but it was certainly not a traditional i think the other software engineering positions that i was applying for was normally about three or four rounds yeah okay yeah that's great and i remember you said A bit ago that this company is
0: pretty progressive so I'd love to understand what makes it progressive versus a company that's not
1: well I think they're pretty far ahead of the like remote work culture they don't it's it seems like there's a lot of people that are like or a lot of companies that are forcing people to move back to the office Uh, they seem to be pretty big on LGBTQ rights, they do have a lot of events for, uh, they have a lot of events in the Austin community, but, you know, remote people can't really help out with that. But it's just that it's not really like a typical uh, tech company where there's a lot of software engineers. It'd probably be different if there was more software engineers, but um, for right now, I believe there's, there's two dev teams and there's only about 16 software engineers total, so... Um, maybe that's, that's why, but it, it just seems, they seem to be very concerned with work-life balance at this company, more than what I've seen from other companies.
0: Certainly. I do feel that I was just thinking about this the other day because I was sick in bed for a week and I was alone with my own thoughts and I was just thinking how, like people just don't like being controlled and that parlays into the, you need to work exactly 40 hours a week, maybe more, wait, you need to go to a doctor's appointment while you need to work late to make up those hours. That just feels awful. So I think, and then when you have that revolving door of people who just don't really care about your company, the product does suffer. And I've seen that at other companies Verizon is not like that at all, thankfully, and I can see why people really care and show up there because that work-life balance is valuable. So I think it, you know, if you're going to be really capitalist about it, it makes sense. It's better to invest in someone's health so that they can kind of give back to the company in a really positive and exciting way.
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah, they I think their investment into having a lot of work felt flexibility has really helped them in the long term because there's a lot of employees that have been with Edlucent for a long time, like more than 10 years. So I think that's pretty reflective to me that they treat their employees very well.
0: Certainly. Well, again, I know you've been in this role for a bit, but that's very exciting. And congrats on getting to that and being in such a great environment I would love to hear, you know, we already know you have a great work-life balance, but when you do have to work, what's that like? What are you, is your day in, day out, your week, your month? What's that
1: like? Well, we do have, I do try to stick to the nine to five work schedule, actually. I know it's pretty counterintuitive. Like, you don't think that, you might want, think I want to take advantage of not doing that, but I don't know. That's when my coworkers are in office, so it's easier to just get a hold of people during the normal, like, nine to five schedule, so... Um, But they are in the Texas time zone. So I guess it's kind of like 10 to 6 for me, I I suppose. But because of the nature of my work, software engineering is very like just whenever you get your work done. And as long as you're making it to all the meetings, then you're good. But normally, I like to stick to like that nine to five work schedule. And then I've never had to work on a weekend yet. So that's nice. And then On Fridays, we do have flex Fridays during the summer months, so if you get your work done before noon, then you can take the rest of the day off, kind of like things like that. But um, it's been really nice just being able to, if you're finished with your work for the day, then I guess you're you're good to go unless they message you. Uh, But... Luckily, it's uh, it's just a Slack message away, and we're kind of a small team. There's only about let's see, there's there's um four engineers on my team, so it's very easy to work with a smaller team. I think
0: certainly less cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm.
1: and easier to like plan meetings and stuff because then you only need to ask like one or two other people if we can move something.
0: I hear you on that, trying to get six different people, eight different people, and then two of them are directors, and their calendar on Google is just completely maxed out. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) That that may have hit a nerve there. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I'd love to know, you were saying how your career switch from graphic design to software engineering isn't that different. So what are some of the examples that show that in your current job? Like I know before we were talking about how you do a lot of front-end work and how that's parlay. but like, what does that look like at your job now?
1: Right now I do need to create wireframes because we are building a software that's brand new that has never been made before. So it's pretty conceptual to like describe how it's supposed to look. So, I actually create wireframes using a software called Figma, and within Figma, sometimes there are times that you need some images that I need to kind of modify in Photoshop. So I use uh, that to create wireframes, and then there's a lot of meetings about the Figma, if we like the way that it's supposed to look, and it can be done in code, then I Make it on the front end and then we do have three backend developers that uh, do the backend code for that and all the schemas and sometimes i help out with um, the schema and the endpoints and some of the data so i am trying to learn a little bit more of the back ends because i'm working towards being just a regular full stack developer hopefully this year uh, so using wireframes And um, the Adobe Creative Suite to create images just wherever they're needed with this company is how my past experience as a graphic designer connects.
0: Certainly. And I was going to ask, you know, were you going to start to learn the back end? And it sounds like that's a goal for this year, as in we're talking in January 2024. So, what's that? Process to get to that goal looking
1: like? Yeah, so my first year I was pretty much strictly in the front ends, and with me being the only front-end developer and there's a lot of back-end work to do, uh, I've slowly uh, been learning about more things that we're doing on the back-end and, and I've been able to try it out myself. So that way I'm able to help out with some of the tasks that need to be done there. My goal for this coming year, it's going to be my two-year anniversary working for this company. Every company does um, their like salary evaluations differently, but for my company, they do that on your work anniversaries. So it's going to be my two-year anniversary, so I would like to be able to ask for a title change when that time comes. and be able to talk about how I'm able to work in the front end and the back end and hopefully that will open more doors for maybe a title change maybe a negotiation and salary so I think that's my goal for this year
0: that's fantastic well I'm rooting for you I'm sure you'll get there because I can tell you work very very hard so very very exciting I hope I get to see that update on LinkedIn (laughs) thank you even sooner than the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I think it's in this over the summer <laughs> that'll be my work anniversary.
0: That's very exciting, and rooting for you over here. So, with that, I would love to know: um, is there anything that we haven't really talked about that you want to touch upon and share?
1: So, I think my advice for other career changers that are going through boot camps, especially with Springboard. It is a very good education, Uh, although I've um, never been through another, like, immersive boot camp, but the education that we do get from Springboard is very good, and there's a lot of resources out there, so if anyone is feeling very lost, then always reach out for help, because uh, this is a kind of a different culture for people that work in the tech industry. There's a lot of support, and um, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that we all have at some point so i would just to give advice to the career changers that there is a need for your past skill set as well too so to not give up and to keep trying
0: certainly and on that note do you have any more specific advice for women looking to get into software engineering because i know you said there aren't many of them
1: oh yes the women I understand it's very usually it's more difficult for women to be software engineers because sometimes software engineering can be time consuming time can time consuming to learn uh, and to do it sometimes so it it seems like it's more difficult for women to do a lot of times because of their responsibilities in the household uh, but it's, we're very much needed as well, too, because we tend to be um, better at the front end and we do offer a different set of skills aside from all of the back end developers. Although I did meet quite a few very talented female back end developers, but it's just really important to the industry that there's more diversity in it because right now, I think it's still only like 16 or 18% female for software engineers.
0: Wow. I didn't realize it was that low, considering, I mean, looking at just a general statistic, but there's more women in undergraduate programs now than men. Naturally, that doesn't mean it correlates to software engineering, but I'm still surprised
1: it's that low. I know. And there's a lot of support that they do give for women. I remember for Springboard, there was a scholarship for females to join the program. I think it was like a $1,000 less. So if we signed up during that, when they were offering that, which I did, so I got lucky. But um, there's definitely a, you can see that there's people that want to include women, you know. It would be kind of boring to have a team of just all boys all the time.
0: Well, there was that famous issue where Apple came out. I Don't quote me, but I believe Apple came out with their Apple Health application, and it didn't include menstrual cycle tracking because it was built by an all-male team. They just didn't consider that that would be important to a lot of their users. Oh. So... your point has been validated on a very large scale
1: yeah you see that's the thing sometimes you just need a different perspective especially depending on the job roles
0: well with that being said are you open to listeners connecting with you on social media
1: yes if you're able to find me on linkedin um, we, we can definitely give you my my linkedin so that way you can reach out to me in case you guys have any more questions
0: Absolutely. Would you be able to spell your name so that people are adding the correct Ashley?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, My first name is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y. And my last name is Dragan, D-R-A-G-A-N.
0: Amazing. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. For anyone listening, if you have questions for Ashley or myself that could be answered on a future episode, please email me at alumnipodcast at springboard.com.